Ridgerunner Nation, welcome back to another Ridgerunners live show. On this episode, we are joined by Brian Poland. Brian recently ran across the entire state of Ohio. You will hear all about his epic adventure and much more. Sit back and enjoy. What is Crackalack and Ridge Hunter Nation? We are back for our 15th Ridge Hunters live show, and we are super excited to have tonight's guest on the show. About 10 days ago, he set out on a quest, one that was just absolutely crazy. Brian Poland ran 245 miles across the state of Ohio in three days. Without further ado, Brian, how are you doing? Oh, I'm, I'm doing great. Actually. I'm having a little bit of trouble adjusting to life, not on the road. Um, I, I find myself just walking to the fridge and making like a Nutella peanut butter sandwich or eating a goo as I'm going from like the kitchen to the, to the living room. Like it's, it's a weird life. Um, but I'm, I'm getting back into it very slowly. That's not a bad lifestyle to live though. Sometimes you just got to stay hydrated and keep everything, keep everything fresh. Uh, we wanted to get back into our routine of asking guests, uh, what they're drinking tonight. So Brian kick things off for us tonight. Yeah. So I, I kind of preview this to you and I, I'm definitely not a person to brag. Um, but I just have to share that today was one of the greatest days of my running life ever. So before I get into the big one here, I do have my mainstay. So my PBR, tall boy, this is what is going to be happening first. Um, it's very important, but I have to tell you something today. I got the most amazing thing in the mail. So I get home, I see a big box on my front porch and that is not common for me, but I got this dog bush light box. And this is not just your standard box. You open this guy up and literally the mountains are just bursting out of this box. And so, you know, Immediately, they've got my attention. So I bust it open. I look, I get this t-shirt, which immediately moves up to top one on my t-shirt listing currently. And then I keep diving in there and I see I've got two Bush Latte koozies. Now, how much nicer is that? I mean, these are like Starbucks style koozies, but for your Bush Lattes. And then to seal the deal, they give me this card. And it literally says... That was one heck of a beer run. Thanks for taking us along. So Bush Light, you guys got me. So I've actually got a second beer on hand. I got a Bush Diesel ready to go just in case this this podcast gets going really, really deep into the night. Yeah, no, we're going to go all night here. That's absolutely epic that uh, Bush hooked you up there. I'm super jealous. (laughs) Oh, yeah, me too. Actually, I'm jealous of myself. I sent this to my kids who are heavy duty bush drinkers and they their their mind is blown at this point they can't even take it so they've got both got dibs on the box that's what's going on nice john what are you drinking i am drinking some uh summer shandy it's always good and uh when it starts to get warm outside so but wesley what do you got over there i've got the jackie o's ohio's ohio pale ale ipa it's the india pale ale so super excited to be drinking some Jackie O's beer, local Athens beer. So excited to have this one on. Uh, Before we dive too deep into Brian's adventure, we wanted to remind everyone, whether it's your first time watching or you've been here since the beginning, make sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel. But more importantly, introduce yourself in the chat. We want to know what you're drinking as well and start throwing out any and all questions that you may have for Brian as well, because this adventure was absolutely crazy. Uh, 
well, the first thing I want to know, Brian, before we dive into the actual adventure itself, is when did the idea start? When did you first get the idea that you wanted to run across the state of Ohio? Yeah, so I really didn't want to run across the state of Ohio. Like, who does want to do that? But so uh, a few things actually happened. So my wife and I own a running store in, uh, in Worcester here in our hometown. And we started to hear like a recurring theme. You know, all the races are being canceled or postponed or, you know, people are just dying to race. So we started hearing this recurring theme of it's hard for me to get motivated, hard for me to get outside. You know, all my races are canceled. I, I train because I want to be fit for races. And so, you know, we feel kind of an ownership to the local running community, keep them motivated, keep them excited about running. And concurrent to that, I was talking to my friend, Trevor Dunlap, who is the executive director at Camp Nahop. And he was just explaining to me how with the COVID-19 situation, most of the camps that he hosts are canceled. Like it's just no way, you know, similar to the, the kids in schools, they just can't have camp. And the financial impact of that is, is incredible. You know, my wife and I have a store. Of course, we were shut down for a few months, but we had ways to make revenue. You know, we were selling online or delivery or whatever. When you own a camp and you can't have a camp, you have no revenue at all. Um, and I love that camp. You know, it's a camp that puts on amazing um, week-long adventures for kids with special needs, especially on the autism spectrum. So this isn't a camp where it's like, you know, go, go learn how to tie knots and have fun away from home. This is a camp that's needed for a lot of these kids. So we started talking, we thought, well, you know, why not create some sort of a, a virtual race, you know, maybe a, a run across Ohio, it's only 240 some miles. And so we started brainstorming, brainstorming, next thing you know, the virtual race run across Ohio was born. And I, um, we started talking about, we don't want it to be just some, some standard um, virtual race. We want it to be very interactive, very fun, weekly videos. Um, where we're going to be showing people what you would see if you were truly running across Ohio on, on old route 30. But how do you get all that video? Well, we decided like usual, um, just treat me like a tra uh, crash test dummy and just send me across the state. Um, so when I finally said to my wife, I said, you know what? I think I'm just going to run across Ohio. And she goes, Oh, okay, cool. What weekend? So like, she's, she's all in on this stuff. She, she's, I uh, broke her down. She understands that I'm a little bit crazy. And when I say something like that, it's going to happen. So, um, within about 10 days after that original concept, we were on the road, gone, headed to convoy, Ohio, which I still don't know where that is. Um, getting ready to head from West to East across the state. That's crazy that you put the idea into action within only 10 days. Uh, what was the prep work needed to be done in those 10 days to get you on your, on your way? Yeah, kind of, um, kind of forgot to do that. Um, to be honest with you. So the, the extent of it was I truly locked in my oldest son, Blake. Um, he's been my crew chief for almost every epic running adventure I've ever had. I mean, he's, he's locked in, he knows me as a runner. He knows how to keep people moving forward and he's incredibly resourceful. So I knew with him driving the support van and keeping me on track, we would have no trouble. But beyond that, I really didn't do anything. You know, I've been running hundred mile weeks for five, six months. So I knew that uh, physically I would be as ready as I could. Um, and then mentally I kind of just started to lock into, you know, what it would feel like to run fairly slow for three straight days, but really far. Um, and then we just threw way that that's where my wife came in. She just put way more food and drink than we would ever, any person would ever need ever over three days, no matter how far they were running. She put all that in the van and then she 
gave me a hug and a kiss and said, we'll see you in uh, East Liverpool. So that was pretty much it. I mean, it was very low key. We didn't get too carried away. Most of the time was actually spent um, getting ready for the virtual event, um, which is, has really taken off. And I'm excited about that. Definitely. Uh, talk us through, obviously, your first couple steps on day one. Uh, what was day one like when you were out there running across, knowing that you had a whole state to still go run across? Yeah, well, well, in, in classic um, fashion, um, my, my middle son, Brandon, um, he had his 26th birthday the Thursday before we were supposed to take off. So we had dinner and cake and all kinds of fun stuff here at the house. So we didn't actually get to our starting point till, I don't know, 1130 at night. Um, so we parked in a random parking lot about three, four miles from the starting location at the Indiana line and, uh, caught three, four hours of sleep as fast as we could. Um, so at three 30 in the morning, the alarms went off, um, uh, threw on whatever clothes I thought might get me through the good portion of the day. I uh, had Blake, uh, my oldest son drive me out to the, the border and, um, off we went. I mean, honestly, it was just like that. There was no, there's no real fancy line there. You're just at some random intersection in the middle of nowhere. Um, and all of a sudden I was just like, okay, what time is it? And they said four Oh eight. I'm like, well, close enough. All right. Well, I'll see you guys in a little bit. That was the start of the event. It's not like your normal race where everybody gets all jacked up and excited and off you go. And there's a big surge. I walked for the first like 15 minutes. I didn't take one running stride at all. Uh, mostly because it was 408 in the morning. Like who runs it 408 in the morning? No one. Um, but it was pretty, pretty intense um, having a film crew there. So one of the cool things that Camp Nahop did was they sent their video team with us um, for the whole journey. So we had um, Sadie and Josh Vanderzyden who literally documented the whole thing, uh, whether it was the aid, the checkpoints, us running cool, cool little towns. And, um, some of the early video release stuff that's come out is pretty cool. Um, it's been pretty neat to kind of go back and relive this thing. So, um, the, the first few steps were very uneventful. Um, and it rained, I would say for the first 20 to 25 miles, um, which was excellent. I mean, if you're a runner running in the light misty rain feels great. Uh, my only concern was about 50 K I changed out shoes cause the sun started to pop out. The road started to dry up. And, uh, when you're going to go 245 miles, you can't have those gross, um, amphibian wet feet, you know, which ones I'm talking about. You can't have those at mile 30. Like you're, you're just not going to roll like that. So we stopped, um, changed socks, changed shoes. And then we started hitting, hitting really cool little towns. I mean, some of those towns out, out to the Western part of Ohio are fantastic. I mean, just old historic buildings and lots to see. They're pretty close together, which is kind of fun because I would see my crew and I'd say, okay, what's our next stop? And they would say, Oh, we're going to be in Van Wert in five miles. We'd get to Van Wert and they're like, Oh, we're going to go through Gomer. I'm like, okay, how far? Seven miles. So it's kind of cool to have these little checkpoints along the way. And sadly enough, the first day was just easy. I mean, it just was, I mean, 87 miles and like 16 ish hours. Um, you know, normally I can, I can run a hundred miles in that time. So there was lots of easy miles, lots of easy walking, and there are no hills, not a one hill. Um, and actually, there are some locations out there where there's nothing. I mean, I ran for 30 miles. I never saw a car, really very few houses, no people, no, no anything, just me running down the road for 30 miles. It was pretty surreal, to be honest with you. 
So you talked a little bit about the route, but like, what's the road like? Is it like a fast road that cars come flying by on or is it kind of like a back road the whole way? Yeah, it's actually pretty, it's pretty, um, I don't know if sad is the right word for it, but so you're running down this two lane highway, old route 30 and two football fields away, you can see new route 30, which is this big four lane expressway cars going 70 miles per hour. And it, it's pretty incredible to go through this town with a couple of dilapidated old buildings and a few people living there and hardly any business because, you know, 50 years ago, every car used to come through this town and it was just bustling with gas stations and, and, uh, all kinds of economic activity. But now all the, all the, the vehicle, um, traffic is two football fields away with no way to get there. So it's kind of interesting. New 30 is kind of decimated some of these little towns that have a ton of character, but there's just not going much going on. So the stretch of road I ran on was amazing. I mean, it was like being on an old country road, um, you know, nothing really bothering you, just open road and you could really make some great time. But when you really stop to think about it, I kept thinking of like the movie cars where radiator Springs, you can see route 66 out there, but like no one comes through that town anymore. Um, I guess if you're going to run for 16 hours a day for three straight days, you got lots to think about, but that's what kept just kind of going through my mind is how amazing it is that that traffic flow can change all these little towns. Yeah. Hopefully we can get more people in Ridge Runner Nation to go out there and run across Ohio to kind of boost the uh, economy of these small towns. Uh, I think there's a couple yeah. people who would be interested in that after hopefully hearing your story. Yeah, no question. I mean, it, it, you, I'm sure that you guys can single-handedly save Gomer, Ohio. No question about that. If you do tell, uh, uncle Al that, uh, that I sent you guys. So cool. It's a cool dude. Will do. So obviously day one was an absolute breeze. I caught kind of called you out on the rundown and said that you slacked a little bit on a uh, day two for only getting <laughs> like what, 78 miles or whatnot. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> talk about, uh, day two, what was that like? Yeah. So day two wasn't really, uh, really about me. So, um, day two was a very, very important day. Um, now I will, I will admit I was scared, um, to get out of bed in the morning. So we got, we got into upper Sandusky a little bit later than we wanted. Um, not, nothing just kind of happened that way. I had a couple, um, zoom internet or zoom interviews, um, late at night whenever I got stopped and, um, I ate some pizza, which funny story. I'm sitting here eating this pizza after night one, like just mowing through piece after piece. And I'm like, gosh, you know, what is this? Thinking it was some like really craft pizza place in upper Sandusky. And, uh, the, one of my crew members is like, yeah, it's Domino's, man, it's Domino's. So you just get hungry after a long day. But I wake up in the morning and I'm thinking, I've never really done long back to back like this. I mean, I've, I've run, you know, a 30 miler and a 30 miler, or I've done some long back to backs, but never like almost 90 miles and then get up in the morning and try to knock that out again. So I'm thinking, you know, I also have these nightmares of running hundred milers and waking up the next day and can barely move. Like your feet hurt and your body hurts. You just can't get moving at all. So I, my alarm goes off at four 30. Our goal was to get on the road at five and I kind of spin around and I step out of the van. We slept in the back of the van. You know, we didn't get any hotels, nothing. Just, I mean, we were dirt bagging this thing as, as much as you can, but I step out of the van and, uh, like my toes are working and my ankles seem to be m- moving a little bit. My knees are hinging in all the right spots. And I kind of, my hips, I'm like, what is going on here? Like, I, I feel great. 
Um, so I hurried up through all my clothes and I started out the same way on day two that I did on day one. I started out with walking. Um, I walked for about 15 minutes and the next thing you know, I just take off and uh, I'm running and I'm running well. I mean, running 8:30 pace, um, for the next three, four hours. And then the fun really got started. Um, as we got closer and closer to Worcester, um, we went through a little town called Crestline and I picked up a friend there. Um, he's a friend of the Ridge runners named Thad and he just jumped in and started running with me and took me through town. And then I got into downtown and I had my, my little brother, um, JP was there and he, he was planning on running like six or seven miles with me and then get picked up and take off. So we're moving along, you know, through Crestline, you know, we lose Thad. Next thing you know, I pick up my little brother, JP, and we're cruising along. And as we get closer to like Ontario, you know, random people from the Worcester running community are just showing up along the side of the road with signs like you're halfway there. I mean, just, just having these little um, parties just in the middle of nowhere. And then I got into downtown Ontario approaching Mansfield and I actually scooped up Trevor Dunlap. Um, who's the executive director, the guy we're raising all this money for. Um, and he ran with me for the next 10 miles. And we got into downtown Mansfield and more people were pouring out to say hi. And when we got on the other side of Mansfield, we had lost quite a bit of time because every time I'd see somebody, I'd want to stop, chit chat with them, catch up with them, you know, thank them for coming out to the middle of nowhere to see a guy running across the state, you know, those types of things. But when I got to the other side of Mansfield, I picked up a um, longtime friend of mine, Mike Gabalski. And uh, Mike is, uh, he works on our timing team. He's a good friend of the Worcester running community. And he also has uttered to me no less than 1 million times. I would never run a marathon. He said, I just won't do it. It, it doesn't make any sense. I don't know why anybody would run that far. I don't want to train for it. Just every good excuse. And I agree with them all, every one of them. But he was so inspired by the fact that I was running across the state. Um, what he said was, hey, if, if you're going to run across the state, I could at least run a marathon. So he jumped in right there um, on the other side of Mansfield in a little town called Mifflin. And he had done the math. He knew that Mifflin to our vertical runner Worcester store, which is on old raw 30, it's exactly 26.2 miles. At least he thought it ended up being like 27.2. But honestly, what's a mile when you're going to run a marathon? So he jumped in and we just had this adventure for the next marathon distance. Um, and more, more or less that whole back half of the day, was focused on Mikey, just getting him to the finish line, happy, healthy, um, at the point where he would not necessarily rule out running another one um, type of thing. So we got into downtown Worcester a little later than we thought, um, probably around 8.30 at night. And uh, we're lucky. We have a um, shower in the, in the basement of the store. And uh, that is all I was thinking about for like a day and a half, was just getting to the store to take a shower. Cause man, well, I was unsavory. Like there's nothing good about a guy running for 160 miles in the heat. Um, that is not a good combo. So I jumped down in the store, took a shower and then hiked about five ish miles out to our stopping location, got there around 1030. So day two just kind of got away from us. I mean, we covered 78 or 79 miles, but really we spent a lot of time just socializing and, um, interacting with the Worcester running community. Uh, it was cool as we got closer, you know, there were, there were yard parties, literally people just in yards cheering and going crazy for this little group coming by, you know, my group swelled to like six, seven, eight, ten 10 people at times. Um, and then the sidewalk chalk were in the middle of the road, like, Hey, go, go Brian, go. And you're a beast and all these kind of fun things that people like to say. 
Um, it was, it was fun. So, um, you know, part of the journey was inspiring the local running community. And I think day two was all about that. Uh, it was really, really cool. Yeah. I mean, like how special was it to kind of, I mean, you touched on it a little bit, but like to have that community kind of backing you and obviously the support from your family and everyone else, your friends coming out to run uh, miles with you. Uh, talk about how special that was. Yeah, no, no question. I think I, I mentioned this somewhere else too. Um, but I, I didn't feel like I was running alone. Like even though most of those miles, it was just me, my two legs, you know, moving forward that, you know, I was walking a lot. So I would flip my phone on and I would look at our run across Ohio page, which my kids were doing an awesome job keeping updated. And it's like, they would make a post and there's 50 comments and 200 reactions. And you could tell that for one weekend, at least no one cared about wearing a mask or COVID-19 or these businesses are shut down. They were just focused on this goofball running across the state, you know, and how cool is that? So I didn't feel like I was doing this thing alone. I felt like I was the, the vehicle. But certainly it was one monster group effort. So it was very, very fun. That's awesome. The, did Mikey uh, decide that he's going to ever run a marathon again? Or is he uh, saying, no, nope, that. Well, here's the thing. So we, we were engaged our whole timing team since most of the races are shut down. We had engaged in what we call the 5K May Challenge. So we were running a 5K every day in the month of May. Um, so with this being, I think his marathon was like May 23rd. So that meant for the next eight days so far, he has run a 5k every single day since. So to ask him to run a marathon again might be a bit soon, um, but he's back on the horse. I mean, he's out there, he's running. Uh, he has a, a very positive um, outlook on the whole experience. And I, I think we could sucker him into it for sure when races open back up. That's awesome, man. So day three, walk us through uh, for the final push. Yeah, so... I'll have to back up a little bit on day two. Um, we got to our, our resting spit spot and, and funny enough, there's a kind of a, a really famous, uh, Darriet, just a couple miles down the road called the Dalton Darriet. And, um, one of our good friends, um, had reached out to them and said, Hey, this guy is running across the state. He's going to be coming right past your Darriet and, uh, had asked them if they would be interested in supplying some food. And they said, absolutely. So they donated food for me and my crew members and the whole crew. Um, so was, I would got there and I'm like, you gotta be kidding. Where did this foot long Coney dog come from? And they're like down there yet. Like what, what else could you possibly want after 160 miles of running? So we sit down, a bunch of people are there and then all of a sudden everyone leaves. They're like, okay, this guy needs to sleep. So I grab my crew, Blake, um, our lead video guy, Josh, my son, Bo. And I say, Hey guys, here's the reality. We're probably 81, 82 miles from the finish line of this, this adventure. Um, temperatures are supposed to hit about 82, 83 degrees by noon. Um, and it just zaps you. I mean, there's no shade on route 30. It, it's a, it's a desert. Basically there, there's nothing out there. Just you road and sun. And I said, I, here's the story. I said, plan a is aggressive and it's a little crazy, but I say we get up and we get on the road at 6am and we run really hard for six straight hours hard try and put down, you know, six plus miles per hour and just really get moving forward. I said, then between noon and six, we'll walk really hard. We'll walk, hike really hard. We'll try and cover four miles per hour, try and cover another, <clears throat> who knows, 24, 25 miles. So I was thinking we might cover 35, 36 in the first six hours, 24 or so over the next six hours, which would put us at 6 PM. And we would have 
basically 20 miles to go and six hours to do it, which I felt a very, very doable plan. The, the problem is you got to be able to run really hard for the first six hours and you've already run 160 plus miles. Um, I said, now plan B is we'll go as far as we can. We'll camp out. We'll finish on Memorial day. And we all kind of looked at each other and we're like, man, screw plan B. Let's let's send this thing. So we did, we, we got the bed, you know, as fast as we could, um, woke up bright and early. Um, I did a little body check and everything felt really, really good. Uh, probably that Coney dog is my guess. Um, but all of a sudden I just take off running and I am running hard. I mean, I'm running probably eight thirty pace. I'm on average and just kind of cruising through these little towns. You come through Downton, you go through Maslin, you go through Canton. Um, and by the time we got into that sixth hour, um, you know, some Hills had started to present themselves, um, which is always interesting that laid into a run. Um, but we were still keeping pretty good pace. So I think we ended up getting to about 34 and a half miles through those first six hours. So in our book, that was, that was a win we had gotten to where we needed to be. So then we got into the hiking portion. So it's a lot of just power hiking. So I would just walk, 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 um, usually walk about 50 minutes straight and then run about 10 minutes just to kind of keep the legs moving that way. When I need to run later, I can. Um, and that worked out just incredibly well. I mean, we covered so much ground and when we got to 6 PM, um, we were right around that 57, 58 mile range and right, pretty much right on pace. And then I don't know really what happened, but I was, I was going through these little weird towns and it started to get hilly. I mean, monster climb after monster climb after monster climb. And the road berm had completely disappeared. So there's no berm at all. And so you're walking on the white line and, and to the left of you is, is a ditch and to the right of you is death. So you're just towing this white line. And for some reason, the state of Ohio decided that they were going to put those rumble strips um, on the white line. So I basically ran on rumble strips for, or walked on rumble strips for like five hours in a row. And I was starting to get annoyed, like really annoyed, um, like 200 miles annoyed. And all of a sudden I'm like, I don't want to get stuck on this crazy road in, in the middle of the dark. I, I just, I can't do that. So I started running. And so now I'm running like 7:30 pace and I didn't care if it was an uphill. I didn't care if it was a downhill. I was actually catching, sneaking up on my crew. They were posted up. They were thinking, okay, we'll go about five miles. He's, he's run walking about 12 minute miles. So about an hour. Well, I would show up in like 30 some minutes and they're like, what are you doing here? And I'm like, how far to the next checkpoint? Just meet me up there. So we're flying now. And, um, I'm just cruising along and I'm trying to get as many miles behind me as I can. And we come down this huge bombing downhill into Lisbon, Ohio, which puts us about uh, 20 miles to the finish, 17 miles to the finish line. And I get there and I get into the checkpoint and I'm like, Whoa, what the heck just happened? all of a sudden I felt like every ounce of energy had just been completely ripped from my soul. So I'm like, okay, I've been here before I eat, drink, eat something, drink something, take some caffeine. I, I grabbed my son, Bo, who Bo, by the way, is in the five K May challenge. So he was trying to pick perfect times for him to get out and go at least 3.1 miles. So this was his time. So he joins me through Lisbon and it's this three quarters of a mile through this beautiful little downtown. And then all of a sudden we start climbing and climbing and climbing and climbing. And at one point he looks at me and he goes, how long we've been on this hill? And I'm like, 33 minutes, 33 minutes climbing to the top of this hill. And he goes, well, 
good news is it, I can see the top right here. I'm like, okay, good. Well, when we got to the top, he was right. The problem is we had to take a left onto a road called roller coaster road. And I can't even make that up if I tried. There's a huge climb continuing up roller coaster road. And for the next six miles, roller coaster road does exactly what you would think it would do. It goes straight up, straight down, straight up, straight down. So after about three miles on roller coaster road, we meet up with our crew again. And I told Bo, I said, buddy, I've got to, uh, at this next checkpoint, I'm going to have to lay down, close my eyes for a second, um, just uh, recharge my battery. So I pull into the checkpoint and I, I tell my son, I said, Blake, I'm going to need a, uh, I'm going to need my zero gravity chair. And I just need to lay down and cover my face up for a second. So I get in there and I lay down and I'm kind of like just relaxing and I can hear what's going on around me. And my crew is going, Oh man, this is not good. This is not good at all. Here's this guy that's looked superhuman for 230 miles. And here we are 15 miles from the finish line and he can't even function. Like he's stuck in his chair. You know, my wife comes over and tries, tries to give me a pep talk and uh, you know, she's saying all the right things. And my son's over there and he's just, he's just doing everything he can trying to look through our supplies and what can bring him back to life here. And I'm just laying there relaxing. And uh, finally I, it just hits me. I'm like, you know, Blake and Bo, this is their, this is literally day four of them living out of a van. Like they're, they've been positive the whole time. They, they've just been high energy, give me everything I need. Like they're, they're all in, they're giving everything they've got. I look at my film crew, these, these like husband, wife living out of the back of my Honda CRV on a, a twin mattress. Like they're giving everything they can to get all the video footage we need. And I'm like, you know, I think it's just time to toughen up a little bit. So I pop out of the chair and I say, all right, give me a sandwich and give me some, something to drink. I'm on my way. So I, I go, Bo, you're coming with me. So I, I grab my youngest son and we start hiking up roller coaster road. And we hike for about 15 minutes. And I say, hey, buddy, let's, let's just try and jog a little bit. So we jog for maybe 30 seconds. I'm like, okay, that didn't actually feel too bad. So we hike up another hill and then we get to another downhill and we start running. Now we're running for like five minutes. And then we're running for... 10 minutes. The next thing you know, I'm running eight minute pace uphill, downhill. doesn't matter. I'm back. Um, it was unbelievable. Cause if you had asked me, you know, half hour before that, do you even think you can finish? I would have said, there's no way I can't go one more step, but just by keeping going and keeping moving and waiting for it to come back around. Um, that was a huge takeaway for me. I know I'm going to hit that point in a race sometime soon and I'm just going to plow through it because I know it comes back. You just got to keep going. It eventually comes back. But from there to the finish, um, it was pretty comical because, to be honest, there's nothing but hills. Like every time, my, my crew would even go out in front of me and I would come in the checkpoint. I'm like, hey, how's it look out up there? And they're like, oh, it's, uh, I'm like, never mind. It's all good. But the, the one thing I did notice is it got dark and my brain just started to go cuckoo. Like I think I had four hours of sleep on Thursday, four hours of sleep Friday, three hours of sleep on Saturday. And so my brain just started to go crazy. So at one point, actually, I'm, I'm at an intersection, you know, and my, my oldest son gave me the, the scouting report. He's like, all right, you got two miles up here. You're going to turn right on two, 227, you know, go to 2.2 miles, turn left on 513. And I was like, what, what, what are you trying to tell me right now? I, I can't comprehend any of this. So at one point it's pitch dark, and I'm out there and there's an intersection and the road I'm on goes straight. And I remember them saying something about go right. And I look to my right and I see a sign that says 
old Lincoln Highway with the logo that I've been following for literally 240 miles. And I'm staring at these two roads and I'm like, do I stay straight or do I go on the old Lincoln Highway? And I, I could not make that decision. I couldn't make it at all. I stood there for like five minutes. I finally called my, my son, Bo, and I'm like, hey, buddy, I'm at this intersection. I can't figure out which way to go. And he, he had me on the track or some sort of space age technology, like find my iPhone. And he goes, hey, dad, turn right on the old Lincoln Highway. I'm like, all right, I'll, I'll see you in a second. But I mean, it was amazing how your brain just like body is working, but brain is just goofy. I mean, all the, my thought was all the reason in the world to have a pacer, you know, on these late, late miles just to keep you safe. Um, but anyhow, we make our way into downtown East Liverpool and I've never been there before. I really don't know much about East Liverpool except at 1130 on a Sunday night, there's not a lot going on down there. So it was just us, it was me, my crew, um, and one tired dude. So I was really, really exhausted, but elated to be there. You know, when we put this plan together of cover the whole state in three days, I'm like, yeah, 80 miles a day, you know, 80 some miles a day doesn't seem too bad. It's pretty hard. Like it's pretty far. Um, and for it to all come together was, uh, not just me, believe me, as uh, you know, my crew working together and all the support from back home and just a little bit of craziness. Um, it all came together for what I would say is an epic adventure. One I won't forget anytime soon. Definitely an epic adventure. It's, the Bush light even proved it. I mean, they sent you a card. <laughs> exactly epic. right. You can't get more epic than that. They know mountains too, right? Just like set in a box. Yeah. I'm wondering if that box top is actually East Liverpool. Cause that's the way it felt. So <laughs> there, there's also a chance I'll go back to East Liverpool on fresh legs and look around and not see any hills at all. Um, it's possible I was seeing all that and it was uh, tired legs, but man, they looked huge. And my crew kept telling me, we're really sorry, but there are some mountains ahead of you. So it was, it was pretty cool. All, all things told, um, I could not have asked for this whole thing to go any better. Um, and my film crew is actually putting together a documentary of the whole thing, which will be released here pretty soon. Um, and you know, you've got to have some drama in a good film. So when I kind of crashed there, um, coming out of Lisbon, um, they said they went right back to their car and they were literally high-fiving each other because they knew that was going to be the most fun part of the whole, the whole film. So that's, uh, you know, you got to win some, you got to lose some. Did you, um, have any like scary moments out on the road with individual cars or like you said, most of it was pretty empty, but I was just curious if you had any, like sometimes when you get on those roads, you get people who just will blow by you as clo close as they can just because, but yeah, no, I, I was pretty fortunate. I mean, I, as I got into the downtowns, I mean, I don't love sidewalks. Um, so where I could find the little strip of road, you know, so you get that random person that comes by you, um, which happens to me on a daily basis anyhow and say, Hey buddy, get off the road, get on the sidewalk. You know, um, I just took it as them cheering for me. Um, but no, for the most part, everything was uneventful, you know, and that was my number one priority. I told my crew, I said, listen, even if you miss me at a checkpoint, I'll be fine just be safe. You know, you always hear these really bad stories about your crew getting lost or getting into an accident kind of derails the whole, the whole adventure. And so, um, they were taking utmost care of themselves and I was trying to be careful too. Um, I was ready to bail at any moment. So every car that came by me, I was ready to bail if I needed to, but I really didn't have any, any issues. It was, uh, like I said, it was a lucky three days and it was a heck of a lot of fun. Not something I plan on doing anytime soon again, but it was, it was, it was awesome to do. 
We've got a couple of questions here in the chat. Uh, Owen Holt Frank asked, what is your favorite town to run through? Oh, I know Owen and he, he's, he's teeing me up here. So, um, by far the best town is Worcester. I mean, it's, it's cool. There's just a lot to see. I mean, it's, um, it's a historic downtown. Um, it also means a lot to me. It's where I'm from. Um, I would say a close second, um, was Van Wert, even though it was really, really early in my journey. Van Wert is awesome. I mean, if you get a chance to go hang out in downtown Van Wert, I would tell you, go do it. I don't know what you would do there, but amazing downtowns, um, just these beautiful old buildings that you can tell we're probably bustling back in the day. Um, but East Liverpool, I don't need to go there ever again. Like I, I don't even know what's there, but it looked a little scary. And, uh, it was, I was primed to get in my car and get the heck out of there for the most part. Uh, Cam Wrench wants to know, how did you decide on route 30 as your route to run across Ohio? Why not go uh, south to north or, uh, maybe consider doing like the Buckeye trail or something like that. Yeah. Well, the Buckeye trail is like 2000 miles long. So I didn't really have that kind of time on my hands. <laughs> maybe the Ohio part. <laughs> yeah. Well, so, um, it, it's really interesting old route 30. So when I was, uh, just got out of high, out of uh, college, I had customers, um, in Fort Wayne, Indiana, and the way that I would get there was always old route 30. And this was 20 years ago. And so I would always visualize what it would be like to kind of run through all these cool old towns. Well, as I got older, they started opening up new 30 and you know, you didn't go through these old towns anymore. Now it was four lane highway all the way out there. Now on the plus side, it cut my drive time from like four and a half hours to two hours. Um, but the downside was I never really got to see kind of these little cool towns anymore. So I had always had that kind of on my radar. And then the fact that it goes through Worcester, um, and there's just a lot of cool history along, uh, the old Lincoln way. It's a pretty straight shot too. Um, it just made a lot of sense. Um, especially since this whole thing is geared towards this virtual event that we're hosting. Um, I think it made sense to go somewhere where there's a ton of history and a lot of cool old towns. Um, and as far as going, uh, South to North, well, you'll just have to wait for, uh, for next year. We've already got something planned there. So. Awesome. Uh, what tips did you give to someone who maybe wants to go out there and do this crazy adventure? Yeah. So if you want to go end to end, the most important thing is, I mean, obviously you're going to want to be pretty fit. The, the thing you don't have to do is you don't have to do it in three days. I mean, I did it because our store just opened up and, um, I really can't be away from home very long. I mean, my wife and I were almost working every shift at the store currently. Um, so she was like, yeah, you can definitely do this. You just can't be lollygagging around. Like you need to get moving across the state. So, um, the most important thing is your crew. Like you have got to have a game plan together for crew. So I'm pretty blessed to have Blake, um, where I don't have to make a plan. Like he just wings it on the fly. He knows what I like to eat. He keeps inventory of everything we've got. He stops at the little checkpoints and stores along the way and make sure we're fully stocked. And I don't have to do anything but run when he's around. So I would say, make sure you have your crew, make sure logistically you're all set and then just take your time. Like you don't have to do this in three days, you know, doing 30, 40 miles a day would be more than sufficient. Um, but it was definitely a very meaningful experience for me as well. You've kind of touched on a few names on your crew, but, uh, who could you have not done this adventure without? Well, I couldn't have done this without my wife, Tammy, because she basically held the fort down completely at home. Um, so without her, I'd be in big trouble, but, my crew was top notch, you know, Blake and Bo, my kids, um, 
and certainly Josh and uh, Sadie Vanderzide and our, our film crew, they turned into way, way more than a film team. Um, they did a really good job, but also just all the support from back home. You know, if I was, if I ever let my brain get to a point where I was just out there running around all by myself, I'm not sure I would have wanted to keep going. Um, but there are just so many people texting me and calling me and, and Facebook messages and just supporting from afar. It was, it was fun. That's awesome, man. Kind of shifting gears here. Michael Owens in the chat, he said he wants to get together for a run and uh, run sometime soon. But he also said, who wins in a moderately hilly 50K, the Athens slash Southern Ohio running crew or the Worcester Northern Ohio running crew? Boy, that's a good question. And, and honestly, you know, I, I love Michael and we've kind of gone back and forth about this debate. And I don't think that like, I mean, there's not enough PBRs around for us to debate this over over chat or, you know, bar talk, what needs to happen is we need to just all settle on a race and go there and run and find out. Yeah. I mean, I agree. Uh, the Ohio ultra running scene is absolutely loaded. Uh, some kind of Ohio trail running championship race would just be absolutely epic. Yeah. The problem is, and Michael falls into the same boat that the biggest problem is everyone feels like they're special. They're like specialists. Um, so, you know, some of the guys would be like, Oh, I'm not running that race. Cause it's too hilly. And then you got some guys who are like, Oh, I'm not running that race. Cause it's too flat and too fast. It's like, come on guys. So I'm not sure what we do. If everyone goes to a neutral location, like say JFK, where you get some of the Hills, but you also get the flat. And then those folks that run well on the Hills can do well in the Hills. And those people that specialize in the flat can catch up on the flats. I don't know, but it is interesting with Michael. He always, um, says that he can't run that cause it's too, too fast, but, uh, he's fast. Like I, I watch him run at JFK. He hits the toe path and he's flying or he runs Columbus marathon and he's flying. So we're kind of on to him. Um, up here, up North, we know he's a bit of a sandbagger. Um, so we'll be, we'll have our eye out for him whenever we, we run into him at a race for sure. Yeah, no, that's a great way to describe Michael. He says that, uh, Thunder Bunny, Super Bowl, and Shawnee is the three race series that it should be oh. for I like that. I, I, I definitely love the, the Thunder Bunny idea. I think it's fast too. Um, Super Bowl actually would probably fall into the hilly category. It really is hilly and pretty rough. Um, and the competition is already stacked. But uh, squaring that up at Shawnee would be interesting. Um, the distance of 50 miles um, and that elevation, um, that's, uh, that's no joke. But I think that if, if, if the Southern boys got really serious, um, the Northerners would come race too. And I think it would be a heck of a lot of fun. We're lucky. I mean, honestly, in Ohio to have so many unbelievable ultra runners, I mean, at every distance, I mean, it's a couple of years ago. It was fun. You open up the, the, the um, best times in, in the, of the year. And you're like, the, you know, 15 of the top 50 hundred mile times were Ohio people. Um, you know, fast, fast, long, it doesn't really matter. We've got some amazing runners right here in the, here in this area. And it makes it hard for some of us going to a race. You show up and you're like, Oh my gosh, I may not even place in the top 10. I'm a pretty decent runner. So it's, uh, it's fun to be from Ohio. Yeah, no, it's a pretty epic, uh, ultra running scene. I think I remember you saying in one of your races, uh, just to stop Travis Zitful. Oh my <laughs> God. <laughs> in your you running title for the you race. Should've, you should have seen him. So that was the regal beagle. And, you know, I think I, I think I, uh, got him a little wound up because the first year, the first year he shows up there and he just obliterates the field, like just dominates everybody. 
so the next year we're timing the event and I really, I really don't need to be sitting in the timing van. So I jump in and run and I break his course record by like two minutes. Like, I don't even know. I was just having a fun day. And so I break his record. So of course he shows up in year three and you know, it was an accident. He didn't just happen to be traveling through Bath, Ohio. He came up there to get his, uh, get his record back. And I'm not kidding. Like this is an ultra. We, sh- we show up, they say go. And Travis takes off at like five flat pace. I don't even know what he's doing, but the problem is he kept doing that for like the next 15 miles. It was unbelievable. It was a five mile loops and he almost lapped me, literally almost lapped me. Um, so the, the guy is, uh, the guy is an animal. Um, there's no question about that, but he, he took his course record back in major fashion. You couldn't stop the dude. He was just blowing past people. It was pretty, pretty fun to see. Actually, the one guy, um, said, Hey, did you see the guy out front? I said, not in a long, long time. Not since they said go. And they said, yeah, he's running. Like, I wonder if he knows this is a 50 K. I was like, I, I bet he does. That's Travis. He knows what he's doing. So awesome runner. It's fun to have him around too. Yeah. So many great Ohio, uh, ultra runners, but let's dive into your background as a runner. For those of you that don't know, uh, you got into the game late. Uh, you kind of describe yourself as a part-time cross country runner. Uh, talk about that and your experience with kind of getting into the ultra scene. Yeah. So I, as far as running goes, I'm definitely a hacker. I mean, I, I don't have this checkered history of, you know, going to state and cross country in high school or running in college. I mean, I think I did a few beer runs in college is about all I did. Um, but you know, for me, um, in high school, I played football and then I joined the cross country team part-time out of pressure, um, because we just didn't have enough kids for the, for the team. Uh, my best friend was the top runner on the cross country team. They had four kids and they needed another one to make a full squad. So he's like, Hey, will you run for us? I was like, what do I got to do? And he said, Oh, nothing. We'll, we'll just we'll pick you up. And we'll take you to the meet, um, put on your shoes and run as fast as you can. We'll tell you when to stop. That's basically all I knew about cross country. So I would, I'd play offense, defense on Friday nights for the football team, go home, fall asleep. Um, the next morning, the bus would pull up to my house. Um, they would honk the horn till I came out. I'd get on the bus and I'd go run cross country. That, that was my experience. So fast forward, I was 28 years old and I was like 215 pounds and I just was terribly out of shape. Um, I got this little two-year-old kid at home um, and I'm like, this isn't going to work. Like if I don't start taking care of myself. Now this kid's going to be a teenager running circles around me. I'm going to be a old guy with a dad bod, um, and have no energy to hang out with this guy. So I truly walked into my computer room and signed up for a a marathon. I hadn't run one mile. I just was like, you know, it's time for a life changing experience. So that's what I did. And I spent the next six months figuring out how to run. Um, you know, what is running? You know, what do you do? And I messed everything up but I was able to complete my first marathon. When I say I messed everything up, like I would just go run 20 miles with no food, no drink, no nothing, and then be miserable the rest of the day. And I was like, man, this distance running is ridiculous. It's horrible. Why didn't have any running friends that tell me, Oh, drink something or take a gel or do something, you know, it's it's kind of fun. But at any rate, I ran my first marathon. I got my butt kicked. I mean, literally I was doing the, the, uh, late race shuffle that everybody gets into on their first marathon. But I got across the line and I was like, man, this is so hard. It's got to be worth doing. So I just really dove all into it. Um, and, and honestly, I just started accidentally getting into ultra. Like for example, um, one year after a couple of marathons, one year I was at a, um, a 
wedding reception in downtown Cuyahoga Falls. And one of my friends from college was getting married and I see this commotion going on outside and I walk out there and I see it's like a finish line of a race. You know, I haven't run a lot of races, but I see it's a finish line of a race. I'm like, what's going on here? And they're like, Oh, it's a hundred mile, uh, national championships, burning river. I was like, Oh, what is this? I said, well, who's, who's winning? And they said, Oh man, there was this youngster, tall, skinny guy with long hair. He went out hot. He was whipping everybody, but I don't think he held the lead. Well, it ended up being Michael Owen, <laughs> but cause he was just obliterating the field. And then I think people started to catch him towards the end. But I watched these guys come through. I actually watched Michael finish and they just looked epic to me. Like I had been to a finish line of a marathon and people come through and they just look exhausted. These people looked epic. Like they just had a look about them. Like, yeah, man, I just did something unbelievable. And so from that time on, I wanted to know more about that ultra running. And it also worked out good because back then, other than Michael, old people were running ultras. So like I was in my early thirties, I could just jump in and I was like the young guy. It felt really great. Well, now guys like you, Wesley, you guys are ruining everything for us. Like you guys just jumping in, you get out of high school and you're like, I'm an ultra runner. You know, you guys are killing us. I'm out there, but it, it was just kind of a neat vibe. You know, everybody stuck around after the race and everybody supported each other. And I just love that kind of community feel of it. So I ended up running my first hundred miler, um, a year later, um, on accident. Um, basically I was helping at a local trail race volunteering and the, the race director of that race happened to be the race director of burning river. And he's like, Oh man, you really helped me. How could I repay you? I was like, I don't know. He's like, you want to run burning river? I was like, how far is it? Is that the hundred? He goes, yeah. I was like, I'll try it. So I did. I went up and I ran it. Um, scared to death the whole time. Cause I didn't know what I was doing. Um, and then I think I finished in like 17 and a half hours or something like that. and felt great the whole time just because probably cause I respected it and I went slow when I should have. Um, but then funny enough, I heard about this Western States, um, race that this was a qualifier for. So I put my name in the drawing and got drawn on the first, first shot. And so in 2013, I went to Western States and ran that race and, you know, it is what it is. I'll probably never run it again just because of all the chaos surrounding it. And the fact that it's hard to get in, but I mean, life changing experience there. I mean, you go out there and, and the, the trails you see as an East coast runner, um, and the kind of ultra legends that you run into out there and the vibe of that race. Um, yeah, I remember coming into Robinson flat. It's a, you know, 31 miles in, it's the first that you can actually see your crew or any crew at all. And there had to have been 2000 people in a half mile stretch. Like it was bonkers. It was like the Indy 500 on a little dirt road in the middle of nowhere. And from that point on, I just been hooked on ultras. I just, I love it. Not that I'm afraid to go run a road marathon and turn the wheels over a little bit, but, um, there's nothing like a, an amazing ultra in that community. Well, you've got quite the community, uh, yourself up in Worcester. Uh, obviously you're the co-owner of the vertical runner store up there. Uh, talk about what it's been like owning a running store during this whole COVID-19 situation and how the community has really kind of come together. Yeah. So it, it's, it's tough. I mean, there's no, there's no question. So Tammy and I, we didn't open vertical runner to, you know, become financially wealthy or uh, financially independent. Like if that's your goal, the running industry is not the industry for you. But if you want a very, very rewarding, um, career, um, 
there's nothing like it. You know, I, I walk in that store every day and the people that come visit me are people that are now best friends that never knew each other before the store was open. Like you're just impacting people's lives on a daily basis. So when we are forced to close, um, you miss that part. And we were, we were lucky enough. People were still ordering shoes and gear and we were doing delivery or, you know, shipping it to them, but we're still missing our customer base and missing that big group run that happens in the store every week. So, um, it has certainly impacted us. Um, and you know, it was like a party when we opened back up, you know, the, the, the restrictions came out and it basically said, you can only have five people in the store at a time and you have to wear a mask and you have to do all this. And you have to, we didn't care. Like we just missed our customers. We missed our running community and we were, we were willing to do whatever it took just to get those doors back open and get back to somewhat of a normal. So, um, our, our focus funny enough has been on those folks that have been impacted even worse than us. Um, which is, um, what that honestly, what the run across Ohio is all about, you know, helping someone that it has it way worse than we do. So we try not to dwell on our down downfalls at all. And we just kind of look laterally and figure, Hey, how can we help someone else out? Yeah. If it's not already in the YouTube description already, I think I put it down there, but uh, we'll attach the uh, run across Ohio virtual run. Uh, people can, it's already started today, right? Today's day one. It is. Yeah. Today's day one We're we're closing down registration at the end of the week. Cause that's the first day that you need to get in there and, uh, and, uh, and put your miles in there. And you know, we've got some really fun stuff going on. So we've got a private Facebook page that only the registrants are part of, and it's like blowing up. So you can tell that runners just want to connect with each other. Um, and then our video guy, um, Josh, he's putting together weekly recap videos. So, you know, this week it'll be miles zero through 27 and then the next 27 miles. Cause that's the goal. If you run 27 miles a week, you're going to get across Ohio in nine weeks, but he's putting together these really awesome video recaps. And I saw one today. It was, it, it's, it's awesome. So they're going to go out only to the participants. So there's going to be a ton of really cool interaction along the way. So even though it's a virtual run, um, it's going to be nice to connect um, with people from, gosh, we have 17 states um, represented and hundreds of people involved in this thing. So it's really gathered some momentum really, really quickly. And uh, it's going to be awesome to tally up the numbers and, and cut a huge check to Camden to Hop. Awesome. Yeah, no, it's going to be awesome. Uh, how are you feeling after your adventure? You're going to get some miles in for this, uh, this virtual run as well? <laughs> yeah, so I was in the same boat. I was signed up for 5K May. Um, so I've been running or walking every day since, um, the other day I went out and did like four miles at six thirty pace, um, just to see if everything was working and everything seems good. Um, to be honest, I was just exhausted. You know, it took a couple of good, hard days of sleep. Um, and actually when I got home, I had Monday to kind of relax. And then Tuesday, my wife's like, Oh yeah, by the way, you work the store. Like it's, you know, your vacation's over, honey. Like it's time to get back to work. Um, so I've been working pretty hard since, and I've been running every single day. So this week it's looking more like 60 to 70 mile week. And then next week back to a hundred, I have a, I have a race coming up, so I got to get myself ready. Yeah. You, you do uh, the canal corridor 100, I think is your next, uh, big race. Uh, I think you're also running the Akron marathon and Wisconsin's backyard ultra there. Um, talk about those adventures that you got coming up next. Yeah. So canal corridor is really interesting. I, I love that race. And, um, I, I PR'd there a couple of years ago. It's flat. So, you know, um, it kind of fits my running style. I'm a rhythm guy. So I love to get in a rhythm and just roll. Um, and I've got great memories there too. Um, I ran there a couple of years ago and a, a 
a pretty decently known uh, ultra runner from Ohio, Pete uh, Kostelnik. Actually, he just moved into Ohio the week of that race, um, randomly shows up with all of his Hoka gear and just battles me almost to the death. Um, I think he ended up with a PR. I ended up with a PR. And uh, we just we gained a little bit of a friendship there by throwing it down and uh, kind of dueling in the sun. It was hot. It was just an awesome day. So I'm excited to get back out on the, the towpath. Um, it's, it's, uh, an area that I know very well, um, which always makes it fun. But the interesting thing is there, the, um, the things that they're having to do just to be able to have a race, um, you know, things like shipping out packets and every runner is going to get a mask that they're going to have to wear into the aid station. Um, you know, hands-free, um, uh, aid stations where you're going to have like a little lunch sack, you know, you, you pick what you want off the order board and they give you a lunch sack to take with you. So it's going to be interesting just to see how this uh, COVID-19 thing has changed the, uh, the scope of the ultra running world and when that kind of gets back to normal. So, but I would love to go there and run really, really fast um, and throw down another good time. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Uh, obviously I think they were even featured on trail running magazine for like the precautions they were taking for that race. So it's really awesome to see uh, those extra steps being taken in place and then talk about your adventures later in the year. Yeah. So the, the end of the year is kind of going to be up in the air. So yeah, I would love to run after a marathon. You know, I was a race director there for seven years and now I know the course very well because I, I designed it. Um, so I would like to go there as a master and run really fast. Um, I'm concerned that there's not going to be a race. Um, you know, I just don't see in the, in the year 2020, how, um, with some of the races that are being canceled, I just don't see how any of these races of five, 10, 15,000 people, are going to be able to, to assemble, you know, trail races, it's easier to social distance, um, send people off in waves, you know, there's things you can do, but what do you do about 15,000 people standing at a start line? You know, it's, I just, I don't know that socially we're there yet. Um, I just don't know, but, um, later in the year, if it does happen, um, I would love to go to Wisconsin. I was signed up for a backyard ultra. It was supposed to happen in April, got canceled due to the pandemic, got pushed into October. I would love to, go take another crack at a backyard ultra. Um, last year I was not in good shape at all. Um, I think I was, I think I had last year when I went to bigs, I think I had about the same amount of miles, um, on my belt for the year that I already have this year, maybe a little less. So I went there and kind of faked it for 28 hours or so. Um, I would love to go to a backyard ultra fit and, uh, see the, you know, two days at least and, and keep going if I need to. So, um, I'm hopeful that will happen. And who knows, you know, if, uh, Bob's big timber is able to take place in August, um, they've got their backup date August 1st and, uh, I recover. Okay. From canal corridor, maybe Bob's big timber is where I'll go chase down a backyard ultra. So I love Bob. I'd love to race at his event for sure. Yeah. I was curious if you were ducking Gabe and a couple of the big names, like going all the way out to Wisconsin. <laughs> no, no, actually the reason I picked Wisconsin is because um, I wanted to get something in before the summer hit. Uh, my son gets into baseball season, and for me, normally May, June, July um, is brutal. Um, so I was trying to get some sort of a qualifier. It was a golden ticket um, to, to get my way to the Bigs backyard again. Um, because honestly, you look at that list of people going to Bigs, and it's like you got to do something out of this world, or you can't even get on the list or win a golden ticket. Um, so I was going out there, but yeah, I mean, to a certain extent, yeah, I'm ducking Gabe. If you've been watching what he's been doing all year, he's an animal. So 
Yeah, no, he's, he's my pick to win any back at Ultra uh, for the rest of 2020, if any take place. Uh, Ridge Nation, we're going to wrap up here pretty shortly, but we do want to, if you have any final questions here, make sure you get those in the chat. Uh, we've got a couple of rapid fire questions for you, Brian, before we get out of here. Uh, if you're at an aid station, what is one thing that you can't leave the aid station without? Oh yeah, for sure. Something real food. So I don't really do very good on gels. So you're going to have to give me some real food, some uh, ham sandwiches, uh, quesadilla. You're going to have to give me something real. Awesome. All good choices. Uh, if you could run with one person in the history of the world, who would it be and why? Oh my goodness. Oh yeah, that would be easy. I would go run with pre, um, just because only thing I know about pre is I watched the movie without limits and he looked like he was having a great time partying. So we would run for a little and then we would just go have a good time. That's awesome. And if you could run one race over the next decade in every single year, what race would that be? Oh yeah. I would go out to Western States, um, every single year. Um, if I could get in without having to go through all the rigmarole, I would do that every single year. It's, it's, it's an amazing race. I'm sad that I'll probably never run it again. If you had to pick an East coast race, which race would it be? Well, I would pick Thunder Bunny. I've never had a chance to run it because we usually have an event on the exact same day. Um, so I'm, I want to run it so bad. I'm almost to the point where I'm ready to move the race that I'm the director of just so I can go down there and run Thunder Bunny. Uh, Michael tries to hit me up every year to come run it and bring our, uh, our Northern crew and I can't organize it just cause I have that race. So I'm about to just cancel everything so I can run Thunder Bunny. Yeah. That's, sounds like a great move financially yeah. and everything for else. Sure, yeah, just for sure. Yeah. Take it all on. Uh, that's awesome. Uh, well, Brian, uh, thank you so much for joining us on the show tonight. Uh, where can people follow you, follow your store and all the other adventures that you've planned? Yeah. The easiest thing is I'm, I'm not much of a social media guy, but if you do find me on Facebook, you know, go to Brian Poland and find me, um, go to vertical runner Worcester, find me. Uh, it's always fun to connect out there. Uh, my page is pretty dark most of the time, but when I've got something fun and, and kind of epic going on, uh, it usually comes back to life. So, um, mostly though, find me at an ultra. I'm, I'm at a race pretty much every weekend when it's in full swing. So if you ever catch me, um, come up, introduce yourself. I'll do the same. And I'm sure we can chat about running for hours on end. That's awesome, man. As always, if you just found us today or you've been following us since the beginning, uh, make sure to subscribe to us on YouTube and Apple Podcasts. Uh, give us a like, give us a review. Tell your friends if you do have someone that you think uh, would be an awesome guest like Brian was, you can nominate them at the link in our YouTube below. Thank you again, Brian, for joining us tonight. It's been an absolute blast. You got it. We'll see you guys next time. Regeneration. Thank you again for tuning in to another Ridge Runners live show. Remember, if you haven't already, subscribe to the podcast on Apple iTunes. While you're at it, if you found value in this show, we'd appreciate a rating on Apple Podcasts or simply tell a friend about the show. That would help us out as well. If you don't follow us on social media, make sure to give us a follow. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And of course, join our Strava Club so you can get mentioned in the Strava Rundown every single week. We'll see you next week, Rosanna Nation.